Today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought, we're going to look at a some from the Virginia elections that really never gotten any attention. And there's a warning attached with this good news to conservatives, to people who love history, to keep their guard up. Uh, here's, uh, here's something from Daniel Brainfield. A Swiss human experimenter, a Nazi collaborator, and an Iranian tech tycoon walk into a bar and you'll find out today we've got a piece called bailing out updated from the great Mike McDaniel at statelymcdanielmanor.com that lays out some very ugly facts about our country's uh, problem with leftism. There's an Emerson professor who believes that black and white women can never really be friends. Get ready for more race baiting. And doctors, doctors cannot any longer say morbidly obese. What are they supposed to say, fat ass instead? Who knows, my friends, but it is time to kick this pig, even if the pig's more morbidly obese. All today on the Daily Gator Daily Thought with me, Doug Hagan. Let's have some fun, my friends. away we go. <clears throat> now, y'all remember, I'm sure, the Virginia elections, the Democrats had their nose rubbed, uh, noses rather, rubbed in their own, uh, own political feces, basically. Uh, they reaped what they sowed and people rejected them. And one thing that was, I noted after the election, but I'm noting it again, uh, there was one one element that uh, no one really talked about for uh, whatever reason. There were, if I am correct, nine separate uh, ballot measures across the state of Virginia that basically asked the people of those, those municipalities, those counties, towns, cities, whatever they were, do you want to keep your Confederate monuments, your historical monuments, where they are, or do you want to move them? Do you want to get rid of them? 
And it was overwhelming. All the votes were overwhelming. And it was nine for nine to keep them where the hell they are and keep the uh, political correctors out of the way. And I thought that was very, uh, very special because that really spoke to, uh, uh, to what part of what was going on. It was a complete rejection, the election in Virginia, of the racism the left represents, the division, the ugly language, the fake attacks, the character assassinations, the moral retardation of the left, frankly. Uh, CNN has polls that says more than half of Americans wanted to keep Confederate monuments, uh, even in the New England states, and between 60 and 70% in southern states to keep them where they are. In other words, leave them the hell alone. But here's the thing. Mississippi, several times, remember their old, uh, recently replaced flag, had the, I believe, three stripes and had the, in the, the corner, the left corner of the flag, had the uh, Confederate battle emblem, battle flag. And they had election after election, vote after vote, and the people of Mississippi said, keep the flag, keep the flag, keep the flag, keep the flag, leave the flag alone. And eventually, uh, when the people wouldn't do what they wanted, the statists, if you will, uh, in the state, in the government of Mississippi, basically held a special session and put it in the hands of the state legislators and eventually the governor. And, of course, they took the the politically correct way out. They said, change the flag, Governor Goofball, he may be a good governor, he was wrong on this, to, uh, to change the flag and have political correctness reign and another piece of history erased. They went to the people, they let the people decide, the people decided repeatedly, and then eventually when they figured out the people weren't going to decide the, quote, correct way, uh, they did the correct thing for the people. Uh, truly despicable, quite frankly. So Virginians and any other state that has such elections, make sure you hold your politicians' feet to the fire. Raise holy hell if any decision like this is not given to the people to vote directly on. Because that's where it should be voted on, the people, period. Uh, so don't let that happen. Raise hell, keep their feet to the fire, stay apprised, and don't let uh, Virginia do what Mississippi did eventually, or any other state, because eventually they'll find enough weak politicians who don't want to hear it anymore, just don't really care, or just want to go to lunch, whatever, to say, just keep it in the legislature, don't let the people vote, and let's be, let's move past this. Now, there's a story, a couple I'm going to get to. Emerson College has a creative writing professor who has produced critical of white people, who has produced work critical of white people. She's uh, being appointed to an interim deanship because you want to promote the morons for some reason. Some students at Emerson take issue with her filling the position, but why? Is she a bad person? Does she park and not feed the meter? I mean, what is the problem with her? Uh, Robert Schmad of uh, Campus Reform writes this. It came out yesterday. 
Uh, Kim McLaren, an associate professor of creative writing, is being appointed to serve as the institution's interim dean of graduate and professional studies. McLaren has written a number of essays and opinion pieces in which she denigrates white people, particularly white women. In an article she wrote for the Washington Compost, McLaren's expressed doubt as to whether black women and white women could be true friends. Uh, a New York Times piece she authored details her experience briefly dating a white man in which she ultimately decides to end the relationship because of the man's race. That would be uh, racist, wouldn't it? I mean, if you don't care for a certain look or whatever, uh, age group, you can discriminate on who you date or who you ask out or who you accept date invitations from. But just because of his color, if you're already dating him, I don't know about that. Apparently she became woke or something. Uh, she also wrote an essay for the morning news in which she, among other things, argues that Morgan Freeman films are part of an effort by white America to remain the center of black consciousness. Why you want to go after Morgan Freeman? Great actor, great voice, seems like a good guy. And you got to go all racial heretic on the poor guy. His films apparently are, are white propaganda, apparently. I don't know if Morgan Freeman knows this. Uh, he probably couldn't give a you-know-what less with this pinhead writes. Uh, but McLaren has also written several novels, most of them in crayon, I hear. Uh, about feminism, race, family, uh, alongside with other topics. As a girl, she attended a high school at the Philip Executor Academy, one of the most prestigious prep schools in the nation. McLaren then went on to attend Duke University. Uh, prior to being promoted to an interim dean, she headed Emerson College's Masters of Fine Arts program in popular fiction. And it sounds like most reviews are basically racist fiction to me. When explaining her stance on friendship between black and white women's, McLaren writes that she doesn't generally, I don't generally dislike white bitches, okay? Uh, rather that she does not trust them because she's not a racist, of course. She goes on to claim, based, based on a lifetime of observation and study, and also a highly unscientific survey of friends and friends of friends that most black women share her opinion. Again, her opinion is worth, uh, see if I can find a quarter around here somewhere. Well, it'd be less than that, what it's worth, actually. Put simply, uh, McLaren asserts, white women have power they will not share and to which they mostly will not admit, even when wielding it. Ah. Uh white privilege, blah, 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 blah. Just more absolute wretched bullshit from the left. That's what this comes down to, my friends. Think about all the white women calling the police on black women and men for capital crimes, such as grilling near a lake, she wrote. I have no clue. I, it's like those stories are everywhere every day. Is that what she's saying? She has taken leave of whatever senses she once had. Uh, or driving through a neighborhood. Or bumping a leg on an overcrowded plane. Apparently white women are 
are notorious for bumping your leg on an overcrowded plane. Where does this, where does this idiocy even come from? It's like these people just make up stuff and just go with that. Yeah, that sounds bad. I'll go with that. Yeah, that'll work. Yeah. In their little uh, how to write propaganda for beginners. Uh, further elaborating on her views, McLaren claim, makes the claim that many white women don't see black women as vulnerable. Well, is that a bad thing or a good thing? I mean, vulnerable hints at weakness. So if white women don't see black women as weak and vulnerable and victims, of course, they're racist somehow. No matter what you do, they're going to call you racist people. Okay, just just learn that. Accept it. Uh, vulnerable, according to her, means they do not consider us to be fully human. Yep, I had to uh, wait a second for my brain to stop spinning over that stupidity of that statement. You don't consider me fully human, do you? Do you, Gladys, you white woman who doesn't see me as vulnerable? You don't realize I have two legs. You don't realize I don't have... Idiocy. Absolute horse hockey. They make it up, pull it out of their you-know-whats, and smear it everywhere, and people are supposed to go look at it and go, oh, how woke and wise you are. We must listen to you. We must follow you. We must buy your books that are full of racial division and hatred. We must ignore the fact that you're a narrow-minded uh, bigot. And we must ignore the fact that you're basically full of camel dung. Uh, Sam Nevis, who's a campus reform correspondent and president of Emerson's chapter of Turning Point USA, told campus reform that he is opposed to McLaren's appointment. You think? Unfortunately, we're seeing a pattern, and Nevis, Nevis asserted. Nevis pointed out that his club has recently been condemned. Condemned, I say, as bigoted. Bigoted, I say, by university officials for, listen closely, these are heinous crimes. You might want to have your children and pets leave the room. They have been condemned as bigoted for distributing stickers that criticize a tyrannical foreign government is racist. Uh, this was in reference to stickers, stickers labeled China kind of sus. Emerson uh, TPUSA has had recently been criticized for distributing. Uh, criticize, he criticized Emerson College for targeting his club for alleged racism, but turning a blind eye to McLaren statements. Uh, President William Gilligan, didn't he used to have an island? I don't know. Can weaponize racism and be rewarded in the same month, Nevis concluded. Now, the, the one paragraph I just read, I don't know if there's a misprint there, but uh, there are stickers labeled Ki China kind of S-U-S. What the hell does that even mean? I don't know, I'll admit. I can't keep up with you kids sometimes. But anyway, this woman... Uh, it's a criticism of the uh, the Chinese Communist Party. And really, who wants to criticize communists? I mean, their record on human rights is absolutely the most atrocious thing you've ever seen in your life. And they're horrible human beings. And they believe in enslaving people to the government, stripping them of all their money, property rights, uh, no parental rights, no privacy rights, no rights to self-defense, or to speak your mind, or read what you want, or write what you want. 
I mean, really, who wouldn't love that, right? Having your whole life controlled by communists or else. I think LeBron James might love it as long as they paid him enough money. So anyway, if you criticize the Chinese communists, she calls you racist because you like that whole liberty thing. Ooh, ooh, icky. On to the next one, my friends. Enough of that pinhead. Doctors, physicians, those medical professionals that like to walk around in those fancy white coats with a stethoscope they never seem to use. The terms handicapped, morbidly obese, and racial groups are to be avoided. Not racial groups themselves should be avoided, but the term racial group. If you hear one, someone say that you should walk around them, I think, give them a six feet space and make sure you have your mask on uh, to make Fauci happy. According to the American Medical Association, numerous language guides have come out in recent years after American universities started publishing similar documents. It's like the American Medical Association, instead of worrying about taking care of people and diseases and stuff like that, actually listen to the BS that college campuses are doing and go, you know what? That's a good idea. See that train wreck there? That ideological intellectual wasteland over there? We should be more like them. Antoinette Aho. No, I didn't call Antoinette a name. That is her name. A-H-O. Aho. Aho. I don't know. No matter how you say it, it makes her sound bad. Antoinette, my dear, I'm not trying to insult you or mock your name. But she writes at Campus Reform and the American Medical Association and the Association of American Medical Colleges have jointly published a language guide because doctors are too stupid to know how to use light words. And it tells readers to no longer use the words handicapped, morbidly obese, or homeless. Uh, rather, the document called Advancing Health Equity, a guide to language, narrative, and concepts, okay, uh, stipulates that these terms should be referred to as people who are experiencing condition or disability type. For years, Campus Reform has reported on language guides in higher education from the University of New Hampshire's bias-free guide, which is about as biased as it gets. In 2015, to Florida International University's 2021 inclusive language, or else use it, or you will be whipped with Dale Spaghetti. Uh, professional institutions began creating their own versions only a few years later. It's like they see the stupidest thing ever, the most useless, wasteless, waste time, energy, effort, everything else. Hey, that's a good idea. Uh huh. It's the it's the intellectual's equivalent of, hey, y'all, watch this. And give me my beer. Hold my beer and watch this. Uh, professional institutions have begun creating their own versions a few years later. For example, the Center for Disease Control and Prevention published a non-stigmatizing language guide. Catch it as fit to fit, uh, stick to uh, centers being a center for disease control. That's a kind of important thing. Uh, the, that CDC, God, Lord, the CDC guide from the CDC 
which I apparently can't say without help, suggests replacing smokers with people who smoke. It means the same damn thing. Uh, and alcohol <laughs> and alcoholics to uh, to Kennedy's. No, I'm just kidding. Just kidding. Alcoholics uh, don't say alcoholics. Say persons with alcohol use disorder. <laughs> Sir, do you have alcohol use disorder? I'm just wondering because you've been parked in the median here uh, with Led Zeppelin cranked up and you ain't got no pants on. Have you been drinking, sir? Uh, unbelievable. Uh, similar to the AMA guide, they recommend swapping homeless people to people experiencing homelessness. They mean the same damn thing, really. Uh, or persons who are not securely housed. <laughs> See, that sounds like a person with a mental institution that's locked away for their own good, their own protection. Uh, in other words, it sounds like the kind of people who make up a stupid list like this. Likewise, AMA's Advancing Health Equity provides an equity-focused alternative for commonly used terminology. Physicians and medical students are, are told to capitalize black at all times, the color black or just the racial identity black. I mean, if you wrote, I live in the black or I drive the black car, that just got stolen. Well, you would capitalize black for car or no? I don't know. Uh, and of course, to use the lower case term white instead of Caucasian, which would be capitalized. So not only can you not identify white people as white people anymore, you have to call, you can't call them Caucasian either. Apparently you have to write white with a small W, which is improper grammar. Uh, but again, it's everyone needs to kick Whitey in the in the uh, uh, metaphorical balls. Apparently, additionally, the AMA argues that quote social justice is the appropriate alternative for fairness, which of course social justice, if you understand it, has about as much to do with fairness as uh, I don't know as the as the game of football has to do with the. Uh, ballet in the Soviet Union, the old Soviet Union. Again, I don't know. That was a terrible example by me. Fairness is a hope for an outcome. No, it's not. It's not at all. The guide states, in the legal system, one could say that each side in a trial having a lawyer to represent them is fair, but the justice system may favor the wealthy over the poor. The justice system, well, it's, have you ever seen Lady, is it Lady Justice, right? Did you ever notice that she has a blindfold on? Uh-huh, liberals. He has a blindfold on. Justice is blind. So if you're arguing for the justice system should see certain things, you're arguing against our basic legal system because you're on the left and you're wrong about everything. Also, the AMA's guide is directed at medical and healthcare workers a field undergoing politically correct reconstruct, reconstructive surgery for the first time. The dominant narratives in American medicine and society reflect the values and interests of the historically more privileged socioeconomic groups, white, heterosexuals, able-bodied, cisgendered, male, wealthy, English-speaking, Christian, U.S.-born. And those are all bad people. Uh, that's from AMA President Gerald E. Harmon. 
you can just call him dumbass if you want, uh, said in an October 28th statement, it's all going to hell, my friends, all of it. Every last damn bit is going to hell. Now let me look at time here. Uh, two more stories to get to. I'm not going to go as in-depth as I usually go. Uh, but we'll get into uh, some pretty heavy stuff right after I get a drink of uh, evil soda, which is probably should be renamed something else. White privilege cocktail or something. Who knows? They'll start making me try to make me call this podcast the white privilege guy. Yeah, you can have my privilege. I could use some more. If it's if it's available to white people, I could use some more. Just saying, kids. All right, my friends. A Swiss human experimenter, a Hungarian Nazi collaborator, and an Iranian tech tycoon walk into Washington, D.C. What do you call them? Well, here's the punchline that's not funny at all. The absentee owners of the Democratic Party. It's not a joke. Unfortunately, it's grimly serious. Uh, Daniel Greenfield at danielgreenfield.org, who is a national treasure, writes that Politico recently reported that the 1630 fund, how many times have you heard that on the media, the news, of the 1630 fund? Anybody? Exactly. Uh, the leading dark money machine of the left had pumped $410 million into Democratic uh, 2020 election efforts to defeat Trump and, of course, those rest of his evil Republican allies. Now, when's the last time you heard a story about dark money that wasn't tied or directed at Republicans? Again, media bias. It's very real. Uh, the 1630 fund had raised a record $390 million a year, and half the money came from just four donors. Now, I want you to think about something. You've got basically four people giving 100 and what, uh, almost $100 million apiece. So, you know, let's say ninety-seven five or something. How many homeless people could they have taken care of, housed, uh, jobs created, businesses started? How many how many college student loan debts or any kind of debt they wanted to pay off for people who are struggling? How many of those people, how many of those people could they have made debt free if they wanted to? All the things they ostensibly care about. But instead, they put it into political power. And the reason that they would do that is because they would then own pretty much literally, those politicians. You either give large amounts of money to people you know will do what you want them to do or to have control to push them to do what you want them to do. And when you're giving $100 million each to a political party, well, and again, some of them, uh, again, a, a Hungarian Nazi collaborator, an Iranian tech tycoon, and a Swiss person who likes to experiment on humans. Interesting. Now, the names of the donors are secret. But the article at Politico did note the name names rather of three major known STF backers. STF, that's the 1630 Fund. You can Google it or Bing it or Yahoo it or search on something else. Who knows? 
The article, again, noted the names. One is, uh, you'll know probably, George Soros. Uh, then there's Hunjorg Weiss and Pierre Obidjar. Aside from their support for leftist causes, these three billionaires have another thing in common. Weiss is the richest man in Switzerland. It's not exactly a poor country, either Switzerland. Uh, may not even be a United States citizen. The article notes that his $135 billion, uh, in STF dark money donations were earmarked for non-electoral purposes. George Soros immediately emigrated to the United States in the 1950s, aside from his history of Nazi collaboration, which should have barred his entry and made him deplorable. An account states that his visa was based on a false affidavit filed on his behalf. It's good to have powerful friends, I guess. His Open Society Foundations have invested an estimated $17 million into 1630 funds in 2020. And Pierre Omajar, who is an Iranian immigrant, currently the richest man in Hawaii, is a big tech billionaire born to wealthy foreign students in Paris. Who brought him here as a child? His mother, a Berkeley academic. What a shocker there. So many good things come out of Berkeley, right? Uh, heads a pro-Iran group financed by her son's fortune. Omajar uh, injected an estimated $45 million into an STF fund. Greenfield writes, there is something remarkably striking about three foreign billionaires, two of whom have been accused of immoral atrocities, uh, funding the dark money machine behind leftist politics. I think it shows how leftist politics are, well, very, very cozy with the right kind of atrocities. Together, the three men account for nearly $200 million in an outlay just to STF. The three men, two of them European, one Middle Eastern, are a study in contrast and similarities. Weiss was born Christian, Soros was born uh, Jewish, and Omajar was born Muslim, only for them to have shed their past histories and adopted the generic, excuse me, identities of globalist uh, megalomaniacs convinced that the fate of the planet and humanity is and should be in their hands. Greenfield writes, the three immigrant billionaires inhabit estates in the ultra-luxurious Kahala neighborhood in Honolulu, in Wilson, Wyoming, and in Bedford, uh, New York, and employ former Secret Service agents uh, to guard them. Again, we're being rich as privileges. The three leftist billionaires made their money in transnational industries, financing internet and medical technologies that welcome talented immigrants. Their allegiance to the country whose territories host their wealth and mansions varies from non-existent to outright, to outright antipathy. Their true allegiance is to overriding social and technological philosophies, partly of their own devising, and they use their massive wealth to impose them on Americans. While their open advocacy has a fairly poor track record, I mean, how many people actually read George George uh, Soros's books? Omidyar's thoughts on capitalism or Weiss's thoughts on environmentalism, they have learned that they can covertly buy influence by building their own 
manipulative political networks. Uh, Omajar friends said finances, black lives matter, and never Trumpers. The eBay billionaires, the hidden hand behind the face, the fake Facebook whistleblower, advocating censoring conservatives. He has a project uh, to reimagine capitalism while funding the Intercept, which openly touts Marxism. Soros is equally devious, having secretly funded J Street so that the anti-Israel group could pretend to be moderate opponents without being associated with a noted enemy of the Jewish state. Publicly, he bashes uh, Xi and China, while his Quincy Institute defends the People's Republic of China and advocates alongside the squad for against any anti-China measures. And on and on, it's an excellent piece by Daniel Greenfield. It is long. It is worth your read. Uh, you can find it at Front Page, Ma- Front Page Magazine or uh, danielgreenfield.org. Very scary people. And again, the media, you never hear dark money mentioned with these kind of people. Left-wing billionaires, very powerful. You never hear of it. You never hear anything from the media. It's interesting, isn't it? And scary. Keep an eye on these people. These people want to, uh, well, they see themselves as superior to all others. Always a very dangerous mindset, my friends. Now, on to the final piece of the day. Get that off of there. Uh, StatelyMcDanielManor.wordpress.com. Mike McDaniel, who is a, to me, a national treasure. He has a piece, an ongoing post called Bailing Out, and he updates it from time to time. And on the 29th of last month, uh, this past Monday, he uh, he put out the latest update. And it starts something like this. There are common constants, besides death and taxes, of course, upon which we can all depend. Among them, Democrat, Socialist, Communist, his, his reference to Democrats, uh, like me, he sees them all as the same. You say Democrat or Socialist, Communist, you're saying the same thing, basically. They hate America and Americans. Uh, they love criminals of all nationalities, or they love criminals of all nationalities, I should say. Do all they can to make life easy for criminals. Think criminals love them. Think normal Americans are helpless to oppose them. And number six, have another think coming One need research no further than 2016 to understand the trends, McDaniel writes, with a potential election of Hillary Clinton, an even more strident anti-liberty gun politician than Barack Obama, Americans begin buying guns again, lots of them. Obama sparked a run on guns, too, at an unprecedented pace. They did it not only because they feared political assaults on the Second Amendment, but because by then... Democrat, socialist, communist politicians were beginning to say what they had to that point kept secret. They were indeed coming for the guns of law-abiding Americans. You remember, of course, uh, dumbass of the year, Beto O'Rourke, the mud eater, the guy who couldn't figure his way out of a wet paper bag, open at both ends with a land, with a, uh, a roadmap, a GPS, and a flashlight. Remember his famous tweet. I was asked how I'd address people's fears that we will take away their assault rifles. Beto said, I want to be clear. 
that's exactly what we're going to do. Americans who own AR-15s and AK-47s will have to sell their assault weapons, all of them, to which the gun owners of America, and many Americans that didn't even have guns yet or are very really not interested in firearms, uh, to basically say, hey, Beto, you see this middle finger and this other middle finger? That's what you're going to get. By the 2020 election cycle, not only did every... Uh, Democrat, socialist, communist, primary candidate embraced gun control. Some, particularly uh, Beto Dumo, were absolutely explicit about their intentions. Intentions, rather. Even the supposedly moderate, safe candidate Joe Biden, he's got hairy legs, you know, was anything but moderate in his gun control promises. And in truth, Biden has always been a reliable gun control cracktivist. However, beginning in 2019, the DSCs that, again, Democrats, Socialists, and Communists, unleashed their paramilitary arm, BLM and Antifa, on America's blue cities. They combined this with the demands to decriminalize crime, defund slash abolish the police, abolish jails, and abolish bail. Vice President Harris even helped raise bail for BLM slash Antifa rioters arsonists, looters, and murderers. She even bragged about it on Twitter. Uh, Seattle's exquisitely uh, DSC mayor, the dim-witted Ginny Durkin, predicted the summer of 2020 in Seattle would be the summer of love, man. Yeah, love. Yeah, 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 that's it. That's that doobie, man. Crank up the stereo, dude. That summer certainly experienced heat, but it wasn't from romance. All of this was worsened by the evil efforts of a particularly evil man, George Soros. A job of the hut, I always compare him to. There's a similarity to me there. I think Job of the Hut's probably better looking. Soros had for years been spending millions of his fortune to elect Marxist prosecutors for the express purpose of refusing to prosecute criminals. All the low bail. Look in the history of all these DAs that are not uh, not punishing criminals. A big chunk of money. Got a, most of them are all of them elected, and that money was given by George Soros uh, because he hates America. Among them was the equally evil DA John Chisholm, who's that he's from Milwaukee, who styles himself a leader among Marxist anti-justice prosecutors nationwide. And he's damn proud of it, my friends. As uh, McDaniel points out, this DA, this Soros stooge, said in an interview with the Milwaukee Journal back in 2007, the year he was elected, he admitted, listen closely, he admitted that bail reform guaranteed that killers would be put back on the street. He said, is there going to be an individual? I divert. That's what he calls cheap bail and letting violent felons out of prison without cause and against common sense. Is there going to be an individual I divert or I put into a treatment program who's going to go out and kill somebody? Chisholm said, you bet, guaranteed. It's guaranteed to happen. It does not invalidate the overall approach. What he said right there, I'm sure you understand, but just for the Democrats who might be listening, he just said he's willing to have innocent Americans die 
man, woman, child, Christian, atheist, Jew, gay, straight. He doesn't care left-handed, right-handed. He doesn't care who, but he's willing to have a certain number of Americans die violently for his program to be proven, to be proven just and wonderful and fair. Get it? That's how much your life means to this prick. Actually, McDaniel's counters, dead bodies do tend to invalidate the, quote, approach. DSC philosophy, social justice, and Chisholm but more on that shortly. I need not reiterate the riots and general lawlessness, including a skyrocketing murder rate that overtook Red America from 2019 to the present. Credible estimates put the property damage at some $2 billion. But it's just property, right? So give them room to destroy. That's what the left says. Innumerable small businesses were destroyed. Again, innumerable small businesses were destroyed and they're not just brick and mortar and, and things. They're not just property. Many of them never reopened. You understand that? When you've sunk your life into running your own business and it gets destroyed never to come back, what do you do then? Your life could very, very easily be completely destroyed at that point. What about the people who work there? People in the communities that depended on those businesses. What about them? That's right. If you're a leftist, you don't care about them. No price is too high for communism to succeed, my friends. <clears throat> Innumerable small businesses again destroyed. Criminals were not arrested for many crimes, and most of those that were walked out of jail with slider, no bail. And prosecutors and judges dropped or dismissed charges on most. Uh, here's a link you can go for a particularly disgusting but representative example of that kind of uh, Democrat socialist communist uh, malfeasance. Uh, and there's a link here if you want to uh, wish to see it in the piece. And I urge you to go read the piece at the State of the McDaniel Manor. And in closing, let me put this little part. The rules of crime are simple. If you want more of it, convince criminals is open season on normal Americans. Minor offenses, quote, minor offenses, unpunished and inevitably lead and pretty fast, to major offenses and a skyrocketing crime rate. Normal Americans have responded, and fast. Before, here's a tweet from G. Williams. Before Obama, BLM, and Antifa came along, I never dreamed of owning a gun. As I watched lawless mobs running through neighborhoods, looting, setting fires, attacking cops, and hurting people, I can't even dream again of life in the U.S. without being armed until BLM is eliminated. And if BLM was eliminated, good sir, you'd still have to work because there'd be another group they'd raise up. Again, a lot more in this is peace. And it comes down to the fact that as crime rises, more people buy guns, there's more violence, less police, police are defunded, uh, police are demoralized. The left is trying to take away uh, certain types of immunities from prosecution. In other words, if a cop is taken to trial for shooting someone, quote, unjustly and is acquitted, that cop now, uh, without qualified immunity, can still be sued and lose everything they have. Again, they should be protected for that. Everyone should be protected from such, uh, such evil acts. But the more people buy guns, the more confrontations are with criminals, the more criminals will get shot. 
And now the DAs, as was proven in Kenosha, Wisconsin, with uh, Kyle Rittenhouse, the fact that violent people with felony records tried to kill Kyle Rittenhouse didn't matter to the DA there. What mattered was that the DA could uh, could charge Rittenhouse with a crime or three crimes, three counts of two, two of murder and one of attempted murder, along with some other charges. They went after law-abiding, the people who defend themselves, they'll go after you because ultimately they don't want you owning a gun. This is a backdoor way to get more control, more power, and eventually, yes, my friends, sadly, to get your guns. Are they coming for your guns, you ask? <laughs> Do you really have to ask anymore, my friends? Uh, go read the whole piece at uh, statelymcdanielmanor.com. It is great. Again, he writes lengthy pieces, but they are so chock full of great information, and especially as it relates to the uh, recent murder who mowed down, what, nearly 70 people, killed six in uh, Conisha, Wisconsin. But I guess that's okay. And how he had been allowed to walk time after time after time for committing violent felonies. Social justice. And remember, the guy who, who's guilty of this in Wisconsin let this guy out on some soft bail. He said he guaranteed people would die under his plan, but it was basically worth it. That's your leftist compassion, my friends. That is it for me. My friends, I appreciate you listening. Morning, noon, night, whenever you listen, God bless you. Thank you for it. I will be back tomorrow. Uh, thank you for everything. Thank you for the support. Uh, remember, three golden rules of life, my friends. Go Gators. God to bless America. And if you're left, you just ain't right. If you wish to contribute to the Daily Gator at all, uh, Daily Thought podcast right here at Anchor by Spotify. If you wish to contribute to the DailyGator.com, the blog that started it all, simply go to the, either the DailyGator.com first post, click on the Buy Now button at the bottom of that post, and uh, you can contribute as much as you would like. Even if you have George Soros money, that'd be especially nice. We need billionaires who will fight against the bad billionaires. I'm on your side, good billionaires. I'm just saying. I'm just throwing it out there. And yes, at the uh, the uh, the podcast site at Anchor, you can also go there and go to the financial page and you can choose to be a monthly subscriber slash contributor and you will give a monthly donation. If you do that, I appreciate it. You can stop it at any time. Increase, decrease the amount. You're complete control. Uh, and thank you for it if you do. If not, that's okay too. There's a, there's a higher purpose to this than just me making money. Because doing what I can using the talents I have to help America is much more important than any any financial things. Doesn't mean I wouldn't take the money, though, my friends. Okay, you understand? Say if, uh, I don't know, if, take your pick, if, if Selma Hayek was to ring my doorbell or knock on my door, and I went to the door and it was Selma Hayek, and I'd say, my God, you're Selma Hayek. And Selma Hayek was wearing nothing but a, but a robe and had a huge check just for me. I would accept, I would invite her in because I am a selfless person 
And I would actually do that and take Selma Hayek's uh, gifts of love and money. And again, it's for America. Just remember that, my friends. I'm just being honest. I'm a guy. I like women. Accept it. But good night. God bless. Good afternoon. Good morning. Whenever you listen, thank you very much. And I will be back tomorrow. Uh, Take care. Be good. Hug your kids. Hug your dog. And just uh, go have some fun, kids. And remember, once America's gone, it will not return. So let's do what the hell we can to save her while she's still here. Take care, my friends. God bless.